37 or 632 or whatever, and we had no interest in him whatsoever. And you go through four to five minutes with him as well. And I understand it's good for the kid. It's good for the kid, but um, no. Uh, from, my, from my point of view, four and a half hours was too long. Having said that, uh, I've watched every bit of it, and uh, I will give the AFL credit to actually get the thing done, and they did try and do uh, full justice to everybody that did get drafted. But apart from that, I would say that uh, get, try and do full justice to everybody would do it in a different way. Like you said, Nikki, uh, maybe highlight the first first round draftees, and after that, well, then you do a summary of them at the end, but one by one for those who are interested in watching it. Yeah, now we've I got. Do, uh, like... Sorry to interrupt. We've uh, now got some audio, I believe. Uh, hey. we've got it going through uh, through YouTube and uh, Twitch, and I believe the audio feed on Spreaker is now also working. So uh, yeah, you're if still lovely any... and crackly. Lovely and crackly, am I? <laughs> A, it wouldn't be a uh, broadcast this year unless there was something wrong with it. Never mind. Let's continue. Um, so you guys were talking about uh, the length of the, the draft night. It was unbelievable. Well, yeah. No, it was it was ridiculous, Payne. And um, uh, yeah, and. We were saying that logically, what you'd do, you'd, you'd do, you'd do the highlights of the first uh, players taken in the first round. After that, you just go through pick by pick by pick, and then for those that are interested, I would then have uh, a run through of every player that was taken in the draft and their highlights, etc. So, and that, that way, people would have the option to watch the dark draft and just nick off, and they wanted to, or they could sit there and watch the highlights. Uh, or record that part or whatever. You know, it was ridiculous to make a have a four and a half hour thing. But as I said, I did give the AFL credit for uh, uh, putting the draft on and getting through it so that uh, it, it did have some appearance of normality about it, but uh, not far too long. And the thing was, you could actually see that the clubs had put the pick in in that first round and was sitting back doing nothing, just like waiting for the pick to come in sign but Fox 40 had to do their recap and um, then often they were interviewing a previous kid from like the pick just before and they had to wait for that interview to end and as soon as they obviously got called to wind up the interview because it was like 30 seconds to go and then all of a sudden miraculously the pick was in but nobody pushed a button in the room because the button had already been pushed like at the start um, yeah. so to me that's farcical when it's so obvious that that is what is happening. And a lot of the times those interviews with the kids, I mean, yeah, it's great from whatever, but they're not really saying much. Oh, yeah, Marcus Bontempelli lent me some jeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't care, really. I, I know you went number one, dude, but don't care. Well, it does say one thing about him. He might be a damn good footballer, but he hasn't got a very good memory. He didn't bring, he bothered to remember to bring some trousers. <laughs> yeah, forgot to bring his clothes. Yeah, they're not too smart. For those that were watching on, uh, watching, listening on uh, Spreaker, I'm just setting that up again because uh, I don't know what the hell happened there, but it was all uh, crap apparently. So um, bear with me a minute. I'm sorry for this uh, last minute crap, but as I said, 
Windows update every well, time. We we had to have something go wrong. It wouldn't be a crowcast without that. Yeah, and just while we've been fiddling away there, Nikki. Um... Yeah, because the the other thing that gets me is they have these so called draft experts and the the Fox Footy one. Now they put up this lovely graph, which was great. You know, highlighting you know the. You know whether they're above average or below average, etc., or whatever. But then they had Mick Abbott stand in front of it, so there was always one, which often it was green, was the only thing that was green on the kid, and he's standing right in front of it. So you got no idea what this kid is actually elite in because he's standing in front of it. I kept trying to lean to the side, going, "Oh, hang on, no, my, my TV's not 3D. It doesn't work that way." Yeah, on the right hand um, side, Mickey. Oh, yeah, that that was just ridiculous. So doing that, I, I did find it quite hilarious, though, that they were arbitrary. It was never the same thing. It was always something different, what was they were putting up on, on those things, which you can understand, uh, you know, different positions have uh, different kind of stats, et cetera, that you want them to be elite in more than others. But I was very amused that a lot of the um, highly, the, the number one kids, not many of them had elite. <laughs> A lot of them are actually quite below average or average. <laughs> so why are they going in the first round? Are you putting the wrong ones up? Um, and the other thing is that it's so obvious that these experts get their information from the clubs as to who they're going to draft, and the clubs are lying to them. Um, yes, some of them do go and watch kids and make up their own things, but a lot of it comes out of what who the clubs are going to pick because that's – you know, the demand. And so when you get this kid that slides quite a bit and gets picked up later, oh, this kid's a bargain. Well, obviously he's not because the market actually, nobody wanted him up until that point. That's a very um, good point, Nikki. And uh, as uh, PJ says, Crow says in the chat, um, Kyle Toomey did have an absolute stinker because uh, particularly when you're talking about at the top end where normally he gets it really just about spot on um, and you can understand in the to this particular type of draft without the Victorian uh, playing this year, which made it a lot more difficult. Once you get say past about fifteen or something like that, you can you can understand that he would go perhaps a little bit off beat. But no, he was really off beat right from the word go, and because uh, North Melbourne threw you know a real spanner in the works with with their take when it came to their first draft. That was pick. the that was the one that I think uh, if he was in the know this year, he should have got because. Uh, that was left field, and if he had any intel at all from the clubs, um, then he would have he would have uh, been picking up on Will Phillips a little bit earlier. Um, that kind of threw the cat amongst the pigeons, didn't it? That pick, uh, and I must admit, yeah. I was I was surprised. I, given given who they've lost in this off season, uh, and yes, they need um, they need players all over the ground, North Melbourne. But gee whiz, uh, I was very surprised that uh, they picked up Will Phillips with their second pick. Absolutely staggered. Um, you know, I, I think you know the first part was predictable. We we were always going to um, uh, take a have a have a stab and make the bulldogs use their their picks, and and we found out later uh, from the little bit of video that they put up of one of their strategic meetings that that was done to make sure that they drained the bulldogs of their picks, so they were left with pick sixty eight, which would not be good enough to stop Adelaide from getting row at the, with their fifth pick. So I thought that was very, very clever. Um, and, and just on that, did either of you read the article by Riley Beveridge that the AFL put up where he talked about bidding on picks? 
and bidding on academies, um, et cetera, players. And he had a go at us that we've we've draft we we've had a we've tried to we've bid it on a number of these players and we haven't got them. So <laughs> we're out, obviously Nick. not good at it. What? What was that for? <laughs> I don't know what you said. Oh, Riley Beveridge, he he wrote an article about clubs um, and he rated all the clubs on bidding on academy players and father-sons, etc. And he had a go at us going, oh, look, Adelaide's bid, they're, they're very happy to bid, but they're not very good at it because they haven't managed to pick one up. And, he, and the last one he used was um, what happened this week. And yet the video was already out. The information, there had already been an article written about it as to why we did it. And he didn't cover off in that the, we bid on players sometimes. Yes, we're happy to take them, but we also do it strategically. And I think one thing we have to give Hamish credit for is he actually knows better than most of these journalists who every other club is going to pick. And that's something I've thought about over a number of years, that that's what he's done very well, is that he knows exactly where players are going to fall, who needs what and who's likely to get them. So he can position us to get the players we need and sometimes strategically bid on these kids that we're happy to have if we can get them. But if we know that they're going to take um, match and they're going to lose picks later, that gives us a chance to another kid that we want. I think is very clever. Look, I think um, yeah. I think that's true and... I, I, like Macca and I were talking last week and I made the comment that I've, I felt like uh, a lot of these uh, young South Aussie lads would go early because they had exposed form and that proved to be correct, didn't it, Mac? Um, yeah. We, uh, we saw uh, a good a good smattering of, of South Aussies go and I wasn't 100% surprised uh, to see Adelaide go essentially all South Australian apart from Sam Berry. Um, uh, Let's let's just go uh, let now that I've kind of sorted myself out I think let's just go through uh, our picks uh, with uh, the number one pick obviously we um, we went with uh, Jamara Ugelhagen uh, that was always going to be a Western Bulldogs um, player but as Hamish pointed out it was instrumental uh, taking Western Bulldogs picks was instrumental in us being able to grab. Um, I think Jimmy it was Rowe. Uh, Jimmy Rowe down the track. So uh, had we not taken that uh, or, or bid on that player, we may not have ended up with Jimmy Rowe. Um, so I've just put some uh, some highlights of Riley while we're talking um, there. But um, look, I guess we were split 50-50, weren't we, on Riley when we first uh, started talking about all this? And I've been a big G for uh, Logan McDonald, but I'm certainly not disappointed that we've got uh, Riley on deck. Well, I, I must admit, I was uh, and at our last uh, time on air, I think we were both, both McDonald fans. I was starting to weaken during the week. Um, I was talking to... Um, uh, my grandson, who's actually played against me, and mm. said that he is a bloody beast, absolute beast. He said he, he's just uh, not only is he tall, but he's I mean, and a good mark. But he said he's good as ground level as anybody else. He's, he's, and he said he, he doesn't mind the rough stuff. He, he said he, he's got a beautiful kick either side of it. And he said he, he's like a small man in a big man's body. And I thought, God. So I started well, to weaken very strongly. We, 
and, and the when, when the club on, sorry, Matt, go on. I was going to say, when the club announced uh, Riley Thilthorpe, some ways I was perhaps relieved because McDonald, uh, he had, he's got mighty wraps on him and he may prove to be the best thing since sliced bread. But Riley Thilthorpe, uh, I've got no doubt, is going to be very, very good for the Adelaide Football Club. He's uh, not away from home. He's in his uh, own natural environment. Um, I think he's got everything going for him. And I... And we do need somebody around the goal square that can actually take an overhead mark, and he can take an overhead mark. So, um, amongst many other things, and he can be a ruck relief. He can be anything. So, I think the club got it right. Very well, interesting in that video the club released, where they said it was four days out from the draft, um, or no, four days out from their decision or whatever that they got the medical back, and when they got the medical reports back. Chilthorpe went one. So obviously there's something in McDonald's medical report the club wasn't no, no, happy no. with. It, no, no, no. The medical other report other was around, on Chilthorpe's uh, groins, Nick. That's yeah, what they were checking. Ah. Yeah, because it made me wonder, is, is that why he kind of slid to four? No. I, I we think, don't know? I think the only knock on McDonald is possibly that he's a little bit light. Uh, for his size, uh, so he's, he's uh, going to struggle, I think, in his first year just uh, with his um, strength. And look, it's not like he's he is a standout forward, Logan McDonald. Um, but yeah. but he is a lead up forward. He is a roaming forward. Uh, he'll get most of his. Uh, Possessions through uh, up and back, up and back, and I, I don't want to downplay him because I, I you know, I, I think he's going to be a gun. But when you look at Phil Thorpe's uh, highlights that I'm just playing now, and unfortunately a lot of the early ones were of him rucking, um, and it's quite obvious that he's going to be a forward for Adelaide. Uh, he's not going to ruck much, maybe chop out, but I don't think he's going to ruck much. But he's got speed, he's got agility, he's got fantastic ball skills. We're not talking about a Riley O'Brien here. He's got good goal sense. Oh, yeah. And he's hard to bloody match up on. 201 centimetres. Um, could we have our own version of Max King on our hands here? Yep, I, I believe we have. I genuinely believe we have. It's, it's, the, it's the way he can kick on his left and right foot. It's fluid on both sides. Yeah, he, um, he is a midfielder in a in a two hundred centimetre body. Yeah, and credit to Peter yeah. J. He's he's called Riley a long way out, uh, a long way out, and he's probably seen a bit more of Riley being a Westies fan. But uh, you know, uh, the the bits that I've seen just before and just after the draft, um, along with uh, the work that I've seen him do during the year, he's going to be. A difficult matchup for opposition, and it's going to be very interesting to see how we structure up uh, forward uh, because we've got Darcy, we've got Elliot there, um, a bit of Tex, a bit of Shane McAdam. All of a sudden, uh, with that sort of marking beast and a bloke that doesn't mind getting down and uh, getting below his knees as well, uh, it it becomes a very difficult forward line to match up on, don't you think? I think so. And uh, and I think the one thing we can say about the draft, the our weaknesses were in uh, were forwards and mids. And uh, if you look at what who we drafted, uh, we basically drafted uh, three forwards, two mids. Yeah, well, we're so, talking about uh, Thilthorpe right now, Maka. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but um, and but he but he is the key piece of that because he's the tall one. So well, I think so. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm very happy uh, that the club took uh, Riley. I think he's going to be a fantastic acquisition for us going forward. Uh, and it's going to be interesting, as I see, to see how the club uses him in the next 12 months and also for the rest of his career. Now, our second pick, who picked Luke Pedler? Anyone? Um, well, uh, yes, I did. Uh, not, I didn't uh, off my own bat, but I did after <laughs> we saw something and you probably saw Oops. the same thing. Thanks. Sorry, I'll just turn that sound off. Sorry, Matt, go on. Uh, well, I said, no, no, I would not have picked him myself, but I knew he, we were going to take him after I saw something, and you, I think you might have seen the same thing. What was that? Well, I did see a little message and uh, that indicated that we were probably going to take Pedler. Where was that message? And uh, oh, I, I couldn't say because I'd be betraying your confidence if I did oh, that. Oh, right, okay, uh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. And, I, and I wouldn't do that. But it was no, it was, it left no doubt that they didn't want Pedler talked about and because uh, obviously they were going to take him. Yeah. Well, the thing about Pedler, and uh, I have seen him play a little bit at PAC, um, although he's had a lot of injuries uh, over the course of the last 12 months, but the thing about Pedler is he is as... Tough as they come, he's as tough as nails. And uh, the comment that I heard uh, mention, um, I think it might have been from Mick Godden actually, is if you, you've got queries over your team's um, toughness, uh, then Luke Peddler's the bloke you want to have in your team because he'll toughen everyone up and he'll make everyone feel comfortable. And uh, he certainly looks a prospect. You know, he looks ready to go. Um, yeah, he's a he's a left he's, is he, he's a lefty, isn't he? Left footer. I think he's a lefty. He's yeah. a natural he's... left footer, but but he can kick very well with his right foot to, to the yeah. point where where you get confused with his left or right. So uh, Nicky's actually got it right. He has got a very explosive pace out of stoppages, and uh, and he is a dual sided player. And uh, when you're just watching him play, you have to really wait. He's having a set shot for goal, then you realise he's definitely a lefty. So uh, yeah. Because he's right, because his right foot kicking and around, around the ground is just as good as his left. So, yeah. um, look, the club knows a lot more than we do, and uh, and they obviously had this boy penciled in there, and uh, they got him, and uh, I think he's going to be very good for it. So he's probably he's probably uh, you'd regard him as the Crouch uh, replacement plus, I would think. Uh, more pace than Crouch, and a better kick. Yeah, that's what getting at. That's where the plus came in. Yep. To, to me, it looked like it, it was an upgrade. Um, and one thing I noticed is that we went through, I think we have a couple of left footers, but they kick so well on their right, which often happens with a, a lot of left footers. Um, but I noticed that we really went for dual-sided players quite a bit. And there was also a bit around the contested ball uh, was quite a key in all of our picks. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting to see where we, we have an inkling that that's what Nick's likes, well, but to gonna, see that come through in our picks. Yeah. I was going to say, say that it looks like the, the key factors for the people that we picked up were skills, 
uh, toughness yep. and desire. Um, all the players that we pick seem to have those qualities. Um, Luke Pedler in particular. Um, look, I'll make no secret of the fact that I was disappointed that we didn't pick up Caleb Poulter. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see how Caleb Poulter goes uh, with Collingwood. Um, and I think Poulter could have quite easily gone at nine. Uh, to be honest, um, I don't know. Nine would definitely be too early for Poulter, in my opinion, Fina. Um, well, you could say the same about Luke Pedler, mate. I mean, we've had this discussion. Who cares about the pick if it's if it's the next one up, and the next bloke that you want's in the frame? Who cares what the pick is? You pick him. And uh, That's 100% it's right. Yep. Clear that clear that the club wanted Luke Pedler, and who's going to argue with blokes that have been watching these kids for three or four years now? Um, I personally would have loved to have seen a little bit of Caleb Poulter uh, on the outside, um, but I'm not disappointed that we picked Luke Pedler. Um, just in terms of order, Fane, uh, was Poulter gone before we took Barry? Uh, yes, because he went with Collingwood's picks before we had our next one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Porter was okay. gone by the next... Uh, sorry. No, Porter wasn't gone before Barry. No, that, that Porter was Porter wasn't point. gone I, before I, Barry. I thought he was still available. He's I and I thought we'd take him. But um, And i tell you what, I don't know if you saw the video when he, uh, when uh, it was announced. Uh, Porter was with his mates, and they had the video vision of it. Uh, his reaction when he was announced he was going to Collingwood, he looked like he'd been served up a plate full of shit. And not just hoping he did not look happy at all. Well, you know, there's a I couple. Don't, I don't think Logan McDonald was too happy to go to the Swans either. No, um, no, no, there was anything but that joy there too. Yeah, look, there was a couple uh, before we move on. There's a couple that we um, that we overlooked. Nathan O'Driscoll was another one that we overlooked. Uh, Tommy Power was another one that we overlooked. Um, and I think uh, those players are going to be good players for their club, um, but. I can. There's a definite theme, a definite theme with the picks uh, that we chose. Um, uh, Braden Cook being the next one, and I'll just run his highlights now while we're talking. Braden Cook, the next one, uh, another one with skills and uh, toughness, and uh, a good inside-outside player, in my opinion. Uh, we'll go a bit forward. So another one that I didn't expect, but one that I'm not disappointed that we picked up. Well, I was delighted that we took him. Um, I looked at his highlights, and when you look at uh, his background, the fact he'd grown 10 centimetres during the year, um, he's, uh, he's raw, he's rawish, but, gee, you can see some untapped potential there. I, I really think he could be one of the steals of the draft and be a very, very good player. I, I just... When you look at his highlights, as I said, he's raw. He's got a he's got, he's got a body that's been changing on him while he's playing, etc. But gee, I think he's going to be a good player. I really do. I think he's going to. I think he's going to be a really good forward for us and cause a lot of trouble. Well, and he uh, was one of those that the Essendon the three Essendon picks they had, where Dodoro actually wrote three names up on the board. He picked the first two. The third one was Cook, and he didn't take Cook, but he was obviously. Fairly highly rated. Um, that he made it onto the board there. Yeah. Well, is he the one that we um, that we did a pick swap to get a get in front yes, of? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. 
Me neither. Yeah. So uh, quite, another one. I was one quite that was pleased that they did right. that because, um, I, as I said, I, I, I'm not sure I went. I looked through a lot, a lot of highlights of life, and when you look, when you read the background of this kid, and you think, "Yep, I think he's going to be very good." Yeah. So, so PJ Crows in the chat says his nephew knows him and says he's a tough little bugger and he's annoying on field. Very good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I love those players. All right, so the next one we took was Sam Berry um, and definitely left field from my point of view. I'd, I'd seen nothing of Sam. Um, but again, when you look at his highlights, uh, he looks exactly the type of player that Matty Nix likes. He attacks the ball hard, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't take uh, a backward step. Uh, he's got good skills. Well... He's a tackling machine, Fiend. Uh, in one of the games last year, he had 18 tackles in the one game. Yep. Against the Geelong Falcons. Yep. And, you know, um, when you watch the video the, or the vision of when he does it, when he actually tackles them, my God, he, he, he is a hard tackler. He's not going outside the law, but he's making sure that they feel that they feel the tackle. Yep. I like him. I think he'll be good. Yeah, so it's certainly not one that we really spoke about, um, and you know, oh, we've, no, we've no, really loaded up on these. We've loaded up on these forward mids. Uh, so Nix is obviously looking for a bit of flexibility, but it seems to me that uh, as long as I've got a bit of pace and a bit of skill and a bit of desire, um, you know, we'll we'll turn them into players in whatever position. So um, I think he's more looking at particular qualities rather than. Um, you know, particular positional style, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, the last one, of course, was James Rowe. And who saw this company? Corey Durden, your boy, went uh, the pick before, unfortunately. Would have been interesting to see if they'd uh, taken Durden, had he still been there. Uh, but it, it seemed to me the indication yeah. was that they were into James Rowe all the way along. Well, unfortunately, I knew that we uh, weren't going to get Corey Dern because uh, that, uh, I knew that Carlton, because of contacts, I just knew that uh, Carlton had been over and spoken to Dern and told him they were going to take him. So um, uh, he was he was quite happy with that. Uh, his preference was to stay in Adelaide, but his preference is to get onto a list. And, oh, well, uh, I think most of the kids would just want to get on a list, wouldn't they? Yeah, and but yeah, and but he is that. Uh, uh, type of player that um, some players say oh, I was happy to go anywhere they're not really but he is he just wants to be an AFL footballer that's why I wanted him so much because I, I know the kid I know how hard how he can play but you know Carlton have had him on their radar and they, as I said they, they well, even flew over here after the, the restrictions came up and well, chatted let's to talk him about, to him. let's talk about Jimmy Roy because uh, he's the one that, he, that we took uh, he's a yeah, mature I, player and, and he's a good uh, player I've watched him play uh, SNFL, and um, it'll be interesting to see how he comes on, Mac. Well, I've got every, well, I think I've got every hope in him. I mean, the kid, if you look at his track record, I'll start with this thing, though. He doesn't really look like a footballer. Um, I don't know whether he... Did his dad? No, he didn't. <laughs> but he... The genes um, are strong. But... Um, Put this way, he's a very good footballer. Don't get me wrong. He, when you just look at him on the football field, you think he doesn't look like a footballer. 
but gee, he's got, he's got a very good brain, and he and he and uh, he's very dangerous around the goals. Um, I I really think that um, he should probably get an opportunity right from the word go, um, because you know there's there's going to be that vacancy there in in the forward pocket, and I think that he's probably going to go right. You know, as long as he does all the pre-season properly, etc., he could he could get a chance right from the word go. And he might make it very hard for Stegall to get back in. And uh, and I hope he does, because that means he's going very, very well. He's, when you watch him, uh, he kicked 47 goals in the snaffle last year. And he, he kicked five in a final. And he, he is very, very talented. And uh, he, I won't say he's got blistering pace, but he's just got the ability to be in the right place. He reads the ball very well. So, uh, yeah, I really want him to go very well. Yeah, does it say I, I, that we're I, uh, a bit wary about Stengel? Uh, my point is that Stengel, uh, only because of Stengel's uh, off-field behaviour, and that he's got he's, he's suspended for the first four games of the year, so that's going to open up that opportunity, I, I believe, for Rowe to have a crack in that forward pocket. And uh, but the point I'm making is if a guy takes that position and say he kicks two or three a game, well, you can't really take him out of there, can you? Well, no, but there's, as we know, modern footy, there's more to it than just uh, getting the agate and kicking a goal. There's a defensive action, and Tyson Stengel, I think, has shown that he's got a bit of defensive action, and he's also got the ability to pinch hit in the middle. Um, I think James Rowe is a little bit one-dimensional and maybe a little bit slow um, for AFL football. He's going to have to work very hard on his versatility and his fitness, in my view. There's no doubt in my mind that he's a good natural footballer. Uh, he knows where the goals are. He's uh, got good strength for his size. Um, but I have uh, a fear that he might get exposed at AFL level uh, defensively. Um, well, he has got two strings to his bow. He played as a mid when he was, I think, he was under 17's grand final, when he was uh, a losing be- uh, grand final, when he was best on ground. I think he had some 37 touches or something like that as a mid. Mm. So um, get him up to AFL fitness, and uh, he may be able to take little little stints there as well. Phoenix uh, will not make him then one one dimensional. But you know, it's all up to the individual and how hard they work and how hard, and, and how well they can present them themselves. Yeah. And I think if you actually look at what's happened to him, that he didn't get picked up in the state team. Um, and the way that he's just worked and worked and worked to get him to the level of what he's been able to do in the SNFL this year, Fame, I think that's another little tick. So whilst you said, yes, he's got to do that work and everything else, he's proven he's not afraid to do it. He wants to succeed. Um, and I think he will give himself every chance to do so. Well, the interesting well, thing is too that he—I noticed that, that his mullet and all the rest of his hair had gone. He got himself uh, respectably looking in, in case he just uh, did get happened to get drafted. Um, and already yeah. told his already told his dad off that it's my club now. <laughs> You're not allowed well, to say bad things about us. Well, I um, I feel sorry for the lad. Imagine having Rowie as a bloody old man with all that carry-on. Um, <laughs> so, I like it. I like he's, it. He's very quiet. You only he's like a, him because he's he bloody... Very much the complete opposite. You only like Rowie because he sends you to the bloody... Um, sends you to the restaurant every week. Well, not every week. I got one a couple of weeks ago. 150 <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, he does. Look, he he does seem to like my calls. He does seem to give me the voucher, so he's a good bloke. So um, they were our main picks. Uh, there was a little bit of chatter about us not taking ball lace in the main draft, but uh, we must have been confident that. Or we may have done a little uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink with um, Port Adelaide. We didn't bid on Lucky Jones. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. They, we didn't, had. they didn't have a sniff at uh, Ball Ace, and uh, as a result, he slipped through, uh, and we picked him up as a Cat B, along with Tarek Newchurch. Um, In order you know, to get Roe, that was the trade we did with Port as well. Yes, yeah, it was. Well, so, so we 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 did a we we did a little bit of dealing going on. Yeah, oh, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And uh, good on them. Uh, picking up those two lads as Cat, Cat B rookies is a very good deal. Um, it uh, means that we've pretty much filled out our list now. I think we're uh, absolutely full, aren't we, Mac, I think? Yeah, Chockers at 44. We, we've got 36 on the main list, six on the rookie list, and two Category Bs. Two Cat which Bs. Is the maximum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can, and that's the, the maximum you can have. And the only way you can have it, 44 players, is on that structure. Yep. Yep. Now, so, you, you, and you've I'm, missed our biggest win. A hate league. Yeah. Well, well that was because we haven't we haven't gone there yet, Nick. So okay, I just said that's the main draft, and then we got the rookie draft, and then of course we've got two additional uh, people coming in. Uh, Mitch Hinge, of course, from Brisbane, uh, who was uh, just at the back of the queue in that midfield and of course Jackson Haitley who many of us uh, wished the Crows took uh, in the draft in 2018 was it I think 2018 yeah 2018 um, yeah but we let GWS develop him um, and uh, now we're taking on a, a ready-made midfielder with a point of difference uh, Jackson Haitley I'm really 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 looking forward to seeing how Jackson goes uh, and all of a sudden our midfield looks young but it certainly looks dynamic, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it looks like it's got a lot of promise, whereas before it was starting to look a little bit empty. So bit uh, same, same. Yeah, it? It yeah and I, I think, you know, Haitley's a totally different type of player to yes. the type of players we've had there before. Um, and the other boys, Pedler and Berry, um, they, they reckon that Berry's uh, ready to go. He, um, right from day one, that's presuming his form is good enough in the pre-season. But he is locked and ready to go. Pedler will eventually uh, come in there as well. We've got uh, young uh, Schoenfeld. Um, so, what are his names? I've forgotten, but. Um, Chubbuck. Harry. Yep. Yep. And Harry. Uh, Harry. Yeah, we'll just call him that. Um, so, we, you know, we've got lots of options in there now, different types of options, uh, you know, along with the ones we've already got already in uh, Sloan and Maddie Crouch um, and Laity, who's a who became a midfielder last year. So there are a lot of options, in it, which is good. Yeah, I, we didn't get speed. Um, none, of, none of the players that we picked up are slow as such, but we didn't get any lightning pace uh, on the outside, which I was a little bit disappointed about. Um, but, you know, we all know that the 21 draft is full of midfield talent and we'll probably have a bit of overflow from this year as well. Um, so... Uh, I guess you, you take the best of what you've got in the current crop. And, uh, you know, Matty Nicks obviously, as I mentioned before, obviously wanted some toughness. Uh, and he wanted, I, I think there's a couple of standout leaders in that group. Luke Pedler in particular, I think, is a standout leader of the future. 
um and he's the th- the thing i like about peddler and, and the little bit of feedback i've got from pac contacts and whatnot is that he's very much even even though he uh is well spoken etc etc he's very much a lead by example type he'll just uh he'll just lead by you know getting the pill and hitting a few bodies and going in hard and making the players around him stand a little bit taller so uh i really like that yeah. and, that's, and that's something we've been missing there's no doubt about that um and I, one thing i will uh congratulate the club i mean it really did concentrate on where our weaknesses were and our weaknesses have always been the inability to score enough goals and so, and we've got, as I say, three forwards picked, and uh, also the midfield. We've got uh, two two midfielders there. Uh, so, and, and sorry, it's three because you got Hately as well, Hately Jackson, Jackson, yep. <laughs> Jackson Hately, uh, and the, and the other bloke, um, one went from Brisbane, um, Mitch Hinch. Yes, and uh, I, uh, he's got a half forward middle. What is he, Fiend? Is he? Uh, well, he was definitely in the midfield mix in the midfield group at Brisbane. Um, that's where he played his junior footy uh, predominantly, as far as I'm aware, from from what I've seen. Um, but I guess, as as with most midfield, I think he plays reasonably tall for his height, um, so he could probably pinch hit forward. But uh, he'd be, I think, he'd be looking at a midfield um, role if he came on. Well, what we're looking at is a, a lot more options uh, than we've had for a long, long time. So, uh, and and some of them will take time to develop, and it might be that next year we suffer a bit of pain while it's all all happening, um, and that's fine. We went through uh, a lot of pain this year, particularly uh, before the last uh, five games of the year. Um, but you know, it, if you can see that you're going forward. Uh, you know, it doesn't become pain, and you can, it's just a matter of looking and watching and measuring how 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 much we're going forward. And uh, I, I really think that the club is definitely doing the right thing with with this rebuild. And uh, you know, within the next couple of years, it, it'll be a, a very good football club again on the field. Well, the thing I like the most, Macca, is, and I think most of the most of the Premiership teams over the last decade or even fifteen years have been the same is that the successful teams have been those that have been able to inject a lot of players in a very short space of time. And they come on together collectively as a group. And I think um, in in previous years, you know, we've taken one or two players and some have been good and some haven't. You know, we scored with Tom today, but we missed out with the Gooch and, uh, you know, a couple of others. So... But now we seem to have a group of players uh, that complement the uh, players that we took last year and will yep. complement the players that we take next year. So we're talking about two or three drafts where the majority of our, our next premiership tilt will be. Uh, and you look at the Western Bulldogs, you look at Richmond, you look at um, uh, Hawthorne, uh, you look at Geelong. Those players have been together at those clubs for a long, long time. And it builds camaraderie, it builds understanding, um, it builds uh, a team ethos. And that's what I really like, the fact that we've been able to inject, you know, half a dozen players, quality players into this team 
um, that are all going to come in at the same time and who are all going to make the club their own. And, you know, we've got Tex and Sloan and Matty Crouch and, and um, you know, Daniel Talia and one or two other old stages. But I'm really hoping that blokes like Harry Schoenfeld and Luke Pedler and these blokes, Darcy Fogarty, um, take the club by the scruff, of the scruff of the neck and make it their club and make the success a product of their work over the next two to three years? Yep, can't disagree with any of that. And uh, I think you're quite right that the, uh, the clubs that have gone forward quickly are ones where they've had a lot of players come in at the one time and they've, yep. those players have all made it. Yep. And therefore, you get, as you say, that's when you get the bonding and the camaraderie and, uh, and uh, doing it together collectively for each other. So That's uh, right. And that, and Nick, Nick's is very, very big on that, and that's that's his type of culture. Um, and, there were, and some of the ones we bought in previously will just mix in very nicely with it. The, you know, the Shoals, the Hamels, and players like that that they just will integrate in with, with these lads. And gradually, there'll be a phasing out of, of the old brigade. Um, and I think you know this will be Texas last year. You would think um, one coming up. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, you're quite right. I, I just think the future's bright. I think the the lads have taken a. I think all of them will probably make it, and that's you know that's always hope because you say that because we haven't seen them play a game yet, but uh, in at AFL level. But um, I think in the long run they'll all make it. And just on that point you were raising before, Phoenix, about how we're at capacity on the list. That's because we've picked up. Gibbs again for administrative reasons uh, to do with his contract and he's going to drop off and apparently we have um, a player in the SSP that we are very much um, targeting and has permission for them to come and train with us. Um, But Ogilvy didn't want to say a name or anything else because he doesn't want another club to nab that particular player. Yeah. yeah, the interesting thing about that, Nicky, is I've heard two stories on it. One is that there are two players that he's looking at and he wants both of them to play uh, train with the club. So, And uh, maybe one of those will fill up the Gibbs position. Um, and then I read a later one that said there was a, he was in, very interested in one player. So, you know, different reporters, different stories. <laughs> Which one's well, correct? Ogilvy himself talked about one player. Did he? He just mentioned one and they pressured him the name and he just went, no, 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 not going to tell you because um, I don't want other clubs to get wind of it. Um, but it, he used the singular. Um, okay. Just talking about the number one, I reckon Gibbs would be the first player ever to be taken at number one in the main draft and at number one in a rookie draft. <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite possibly. It's just, I can't think it would have ever happened anywhere to anybody else. So, so there's just be- something there's just something for those who are watching YouTube um, and Twitch at the moment. We've been talking a lot about young Darcy Fogarty. Um, reports surfacing over the last week or so that he um, has been questioning himself over the last 12 to 18 months uh, perhaps 
struggling a little bit uh, mentally in terms of uh, depression, etc. Trying to find the desire to play. Um, and uh, I don't think we're not speaking out of turn here. I think that's uh, been reported publicly. Um, you know, and you could you could say that that's uh, reflective of of the inconsistency that Darcy's put on the field over the last uh, twelve yeah. to eighteen months. But I want to just put up this picture of Mr. Fogarty, which came up recently, and uh, text. it seems to me, it seems to me that Mr. Fogarty might have just decided, well, you know what, I'm going to try and make a go of this. Uh, and you were talking about uh, Darcy being overweight, Mac. Well, he's certainly not bloody overweight at the moment. No, I saw that photo, and um, uh, well, never had a body like that myself. <laughs> I mean, he, he looked in very good shape. Yeah. I thought so, he, was, uh, he, uh, he was certainly very strong looking and um, I thought he was still a bit thick-waisted. Well, maybe that's just the way he is. But, um, Solid build. Yeah. But uh, I, I would really like to see him get himself as fit as possible because I think there is a very good player underneath there that we haven't really seen yet. Payne, what, are you saying that about depression? Is that fact, is it? I believe so. Well, it certainly would sort of, uh, it fits with his seemingly attitude sometimes on the ground. So, um, you know, the player that's heart's not totally in it. Um, I don't know whether but, it's his heart. I mean, depression's an interesting thing because it doesn't mean that his heart's not in it. Um, you know, depression can be draining mentally. Um, it, it can sap your energy, uh, sap your confidence. Um, I personally concentration as well, and I, I don't I don't want to make a big fuss about that because I think that's a personal matter um, that Darcy's obviously working through. Um, it's been reported that he's seen, um, you know, he's working with uh, the club and some professionals to uh, try and work that out. I think the club, and I've been banging on about this all year. I think the club need to go very hard on Tex Walker and say, "Look, mate, you're done." We're playing Darcy Fogarty, and you're the break glass option. I would be very disappointed if Tex Walker played more than half a dozen games in 2021 because we need to show confidence in this kid. We need to give him the keys. We need to say, Darcy, this is your forward line. Do your stuff. And having Tex there, that they are like for like, and having Tex there, just I'm not surprised that Darcy doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing in that forward line. It was a terrible structure, terrible structure with those two playing in it. And I just hope the club follow through on this rebuild and uh, say to Tex, look, mate, you've done well, but your time's gone and you'll be the emergency. Well, I'm in the same camp as you. Um, he uh, Walker hasn't played particularly well for some time now. For and, two and, and a half years. Yeah, well, I was going to say a uh, couple, and uh, just being kind. And in that time, you know, I believe if Fogarty had been playing centre forward all that time, by now he would have developed into a good player. But you're quite right; he's been a bits player, just stuck away in a pocket, or uh, not always, not always being selected. It's, it's, his development has been horrible, and um, and Tex Walker really is the problem. You're quite right. Uh, I was hoping that Tex would retire at the end of last year um, for his own sake as well as 
the clubs because although once he gets a, does get the ball in the hands, he, he's good with it. He just doesn't get very much of it. And uh, also, at the same time, he's stopping the development. Whereas Walker, unfortunately for him, is part of the past. So uh, I, I just hope that what you're suggesting is done, Fien, and uh, that would work well for Fogarty, not so good for Walker, but uh, I think it would be the best thing for the club. Look, I think in terms of the, the senior guys, they, they have to be aware, and the club needs to make them aware, that they've had their opportunity. You know, they're still playing AFL football and they'll get picked on merit, etc. But in terms of their group, they've had their opportunity. Their opportunity was 2017-2018. And look, that group had some terrible misfortune. You know, Dean Bailey, um, Phil Walsh, uh, the whole camp fiasco, all of that. I mean, you probably wouldn't find too many groups of sports people that have gone through as much turmoil as that group, and they have my utmost sympathy. But by the same token, every group has, a, has its day, and that group, uh, which has been largely disbanded now uh, with you know recruiting and delistings and, and trades and whatnot, that group had its opportunity. Now, it's incumbent on the uh, the seniors to hand over the club, to hand over the keys, uh, play supporting roles, play mentoring roles, and make sure that when they do leave the club, when their contracts are up, that they leave the club in as good or a better place than when they found it. So blokes like yep. Rory Sloan, blokes like Daniel Talia, uh, Tex Walker... They need to swallow their pride and their ego. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they they won't. I'm just saying from an external perspective, they need to swallow their pride and their ego and they need to get in around these new kids and teach them how to play AFL football. Well, I think it's a little bit of a test for Nick's, isn't it? Because it's in his hands. Um, Walker is a footballer and footballers, uh, what they really want to do is play. So, And, and I can understand Tech wanting to play. And while it's not necessarily good for the club, players don't necessarily see that themselves when, when they're the person that uh, is not good for the club. Um, so you know, it really is the, back, to the, back to the coaching staff to do that. We, we all have our, we all have our um, opinions of ourselves. Mac, I went out and played Masters footy a couple of years ago and lasted two and a half quarters. Uh, in my head, I could certainly play, but uh, physically... Um, to my Achilles, and they and they told me very quickly that that was not going to happen, you know. And it's the same with with these uh, senior AFL players. You you know, uh, Sloaney's lost a yard. Uh, Tex certainly struggles with his knee, with his agility. He struggles with his shoulders. Um, you know, Daniel Talia is probably still going, but he struggles to get up and probably needs to be managed this season. Um, we have a lot of kids coming through that need game time. You know, Mackesy, Worrell, um, uh, Schoenberg, uh, Darcy Butts. Fogarty, Geordie Butts, all the, all these lads, they need game time. They cannot be eased in. They need to be the front line. And it's up to the senior blokes to, uh, to be senior blokes of the club. And PJ Crowe throws in for good measure about Lynch is near the end as well. So, yeah, he's yeah, probably well, only gotten... He's Tommy got Lynch is an, yeah, Tommy Lynch is an interesting one. He's still 30, and we spoke about this last week, didn't we, Mac, that it's probably just as much about Lynch's role 
than anything else. Um, yeah. The, you know, he's been the up and back, up and back link guy, um, and he will need to reinvent himself in Nix's forward line, and uh, it will look different. We're, we're completely if we if we decide to play the Bergen and uh, Thorpedo in the same forward line. Um, you know, it's a completely different look. It's a completely different dynamic to what we've had in the past, and uh, uh, I think Tommy Lynch uh, still has a role to play. Uh, but it'll be whether he he can adapt to whatever that role is. I, I could see him maybe uh, playing more on a wing um, yeah. than half I, forward. I think we we saw that towards the back end of the season. We did. He yeah. was pretty much exclusively a wingman. Yeah, yeah. And PJ and points out. In the back yeah, PJ points out Lynch's disposal is poor. Lynch's disposal is actually really good, but if you watch Tommy over his over the journey, his opinion of himself and his skills is pretty high, and so he will try and pull off kicks that he's not able to do and. A lot of his kicking into the mark is because his uh, his body is travelling backwards while he's trying to kick the ball forwards. He doesn't actually get off the mark quickly enough, which means that his momentum is still in reverse, and that's a recipe for disaster. If if he if someone actually got hold of him and said, "Tom, you've got to get off the mark quicker," Tex Walker does the same thing. They don't get off the mark quickly enough. And so their, their, their momentum is going in the wrong direction when they're trying to pull off these little worm burning passes. Um, you know, probably too late for Tommy Lynch to uh, to have that trained out of him. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they, they use these blokes because uh, we've oh, I think we're all excited and I wouldn't be surprised if the coaching group are excited to see what this new group of players can come up with. Well, that's true. Uh, just... Um Somebody mentioned about Worrell. They'd like to see him in the forward line. Um, and I suppose we can... Not too early to talk about Worrell, please. Uh, in Any terms of the little interest? indiscretion? Oh, I was going to leave that till later. Okay. Yeah, we don't have, we don't have to spend too much time on that. Well, no, it's a, well, I thought it was a nothing, really, but, uh, but because the big pros get paid up pretty big. Yep. Um, it was interesting that a couple of media pundits... Um, tried to attack the Crows during the week for picking all South Aussie boys. Um, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But uh, uh, the same blokes that uh, went on the attack, Kane Corns and that, uh, are also the blokes that freely admit they don't actually watch um, draftees terribly much, so they'd have no bloody clue. Um, so it was just a bit of nothing there from uh, the usual suspects, I, th- I think. I- I'm-, I'm actually extremely pleased at the club went with exposed talent. I would have been happy with WA boys or yep. South Australian boys. I just I just think that uh, uh, a lot of people underestimate how far back these Victorian lads will be in terms of their fitness and development by missing 12 months of football. You imagine, Mac, you're an 18-year-old kid and you miss a, a year of football and then you hit an AFL list. How do you reckon you're going to go? Yeah, it's going to take you basically all year to get anywhere near it. Yep, absolutely. So, um, and that's why I was I was surprised that North Melbourne took Will Phillips at two, uh, because Will Stab- Phillips, as good a player staggered. as he is, staggered. as good a player as he is, um, he won't be ready. None of these Vic boys are going to be ready. It doesn't matter how naturally fit they are. It doesn't matter how much work they've been putting in. 
they will not be ready. And North need ready-made players. Um, and it pisses me off because they're obviously tanking for number one peak next year. Um, and there's a couple of lads that I wouldn't no, want at the top ours. in the next year's draft. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people underestimate how far behind the eight ball these Vic lads are going to go, uh, are going to be, sorry. And I, th- I was very happy that the Crows went with uh, largely exposed talent. It just happened to be South Australian talent. It could have just as easily have been WA talent. Yeah. You just faded off a bit there, Fink. Right. Okay. All good now? Um, yeah. Just on North, I actually think they will have to pull their finger out and do decently because they've got a problem with such a small supporter base and such a small revenue coming in. Um, So they're going to actually have to, uh, I think, actually win a bit more than what people, they might want to tank, but I think they've got an issue regarding their monetary finances and they'll be told to pull their finger out and actually get better performances. No. No, uh, the the AFL will prop them up. The, the AFL oh, no, boys. The AFL, the AFL wants to get rid of them. No, the AFL got their boy in there now, uh, David Noble. Um, they love Mr. Noble. He went up there they and do. patched up Brisbane, uh, and now um, and look. Good luck to David Noble too, by the way. I mean, I, I know blokes that played under him in the SANFL, and they they thought he was an excellent coach. Um, so he gets this opportunity, and I think he'll do the best he can with North Melbourne. But uh, they're a pig of a club. Um, but I don't think the AFL will care. I think the AFL will prop them up until they they're back on their uh, back on their feet. No, they're they're profitable at the moment. Thing they they made a profit for the year, and uh, they they haven't got any debt. Yeah, well, they might not have any debt, but they've also got no supporters, Mac. No, that, and that is the, that is a real problem for the AFL. They're not a that they, as you say, then they don't attract much interest, and therefore that affects the uh, telecasters, etc. Uh, and therefore, same thing with, with the number of sponsors they've got. Um, but the, the problem—that's what I was getting at. The problem they've got is though, is that um, really, they, I think the competition's got too many teams, and I think that um, there's too many parasite teams in the competition. You're not going to change it, um, mate. Not going to. No, they're not going. I know not even worth talking about because it's not it's not going to change. You and I both know it should be a twelve to fourteen team comp. Uh, they could cull four uh, Victorian clubs tomorrow, and it wouldn't make a speck of difference to anyone except the supporters of those clubs. Um, but it's never going to happen. Correct, absolutely. Never correct, but happen. it should. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it should. But yeah. you know, it won't. So there's no no point talking about it. Look, I just wanted to round up the draft discussion with an overall rating. Mac, what do you give us uh, out of ten for our our performance over the trade period and draft period overall? Um, probably about an eight. And um, you know, in the trade period, I, I think that, um, and we were marked down there for what we got for Crouch, but Crouch also helped that happen. So I think once he had his uh, alcohol situation and uh, that's it, that really knocked dollars off his value. I think otherwise we would have been uh, would have been a pick two to us without any doubt. He would have got the, the bigger money. Um, so uh, so I, it's probably unfair to, to take that off them. But uh, the actual draft itself, um, in the end, uh, I'm quite happy they took Tilthorpe. I think Pebbles a very good pick. Um, 
I think that I'm over, over the moon about Cook. Uh, I, I think, you know, probably I'll give him 8 out of 10. I think the only ones that we know nothing about Berry, but I think he'll be hard up and I think he'll probably go very well. And Rowe, of course, is, is, is a little bit speculative because he's got a transition uh, at age 21 into from Sanford AFL. And uh, if he does, it'll uh, rate the their, their rating a little bit higher. Uh, one of the reasons uh, I do rate their, their, the whole thing pretty well for them is getting Jackson Hately for the Knicks. They did exactly what I wanted them to do in the sense that you you sort of dither and dither and dither till it gets to the last minute. You haven't got time to finish it and then get him for nothing. So um, I know people might think I'm a bit bullish, but I think that is a great big get. Great get. Um, Hinge can't be too bad in the sense of if... Uh, uh, Brisbane were prepared to offer him a contract and he was the emergency for all the finals so he should probably be good AFL standard for us um, so I think and that was another freebie so overall yeah, I'm going to give him an 8 so that, quite happy quite happy that was a very long answer but a detailed one <laughs> Nick what do you reckon does do anything but <laughs> I'm actually going. I was going to go with the eight as well, even before he said it, um, and not any higher because purely and simply, the one thing I think we all, all we really needed to do was to try and get some more picks into next year's draft as well, and we didn't quite do enough there. Apparently, Hamish had a bit of a go on draft night, but it didn't always going to be tough. Work. Always going to be tough, um, but I still think. Looking at those kids, looking at our list, I would have preferred a little bit more outside pace, but there wasn't a lot of that too much on offer, although as we know Poulter was um, possibly one who could do that. So I think there's going to be a lot of Crows fans very interested to compare um, his career later on with the other kids we picked up. But I really like the balance of what they picked up and the kids, and you could really see that clear messaging on where Nick's wants the team to go and I think that's what you need to do in a draft and the rebuild. So for me it's an eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, uh well I'll probably take half a mark off from that for the um Brad Crouch fiasco. I don't think we handled that very well. Um and uh yes, I know Brad contributed to that. I, I know that uh, he was uh part of the problem. Um I just feel like overall the club could have handled that a little bit better and let's not forget we didn't get band two we got band three for brad crouch no band. no it was band two thing uh, it definitely band. was band two wasn't i'm sure you that's band 100 wasn't was band three anyway it doesn't matter we got uh less than what it's, it's the worth. same pick anyhow well it, it but what it means is maca that we we're actually two off what we expected to be Two bands yep. of what we expected to be. And if that was the case, um, expectations needed to be managed. I think Brad's whole contract situation over the last two years could have been managed better. Uh, I think there's been opportunities. But, I mean, we'd, we don't know. So I'm taking half a mark off for that. Pardon me. Um, I'm happy with the, the outcome of the draft. I think uh, the draft went really well for us. Uh you know, all the players that we picked up uh, fit a mould and they all look good and keen and ready to go. Um, so I can't fault the way the club handled the draft period. 
like you, Nick, I would have loved to have seen us get a little bit more into 2021, but uh, that uh, that was probably a bridge too far given everyone else wanted to be in 2021 as well. Um, Correct. So, uh, yeah, seven seven and a half out of ten for me, uh, which um, uh, probably the... The the best thing that I that I felt out of the whole draft period is that we had a plan. In the past, I've lamented with you, Nick, and Macca and Peter J that there didn't seem to be a lot of a plan. Um, but this year it seems to be a plan. Uh, there's a, a particular type of player that we've gone for, a particular attitude that we've gone for, and I like that. So, you know, whether the plan passes or fails is another story, but I think you're, you're far more likely to succeed if you have a plan, and it looks to me uh, that Matthew Nix has a plan, has a type of player, has a game style that he wants to play, and he recruited accordingly. So 7.5 out of 10 for me. And the other thing you talk about Nick saying he having a plan, he's also got uh, an appropriate coaching structure this year as well. So uh, yep. it's hard to have a plan when you've got much support to make it happen. So Absolutely. I think Nick has worked with his yeah. new assistants and they've got a they've got a locked in plan how they're going to play and what how they all want to play and they've drafted accordingly. So um, uh, yeah, I think you're you're right on the money there, Fiend. Yep. Yeah. James Riley, um Scotty Burns, uh, um, Nathan Van Berlo coming in, uh, Scotty Thompson taking over the the ladies. Um, you know we had we had we had a couple of losses, um, some better than others, but I think overall our I reckon our coaching box actually looks the strongest it's been for oh, maybe five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since really, since Bales really, really like since Bales was box. sitting in yeah since Bales was in the in the coaching box, I don't think we've had a better coaching box than what we've assembled now. So, um, and it's when we clear had Tegan Pods, you know they were very good assistants. Yep. 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 So uh, everything's in place. Um, the club seem a little bit calmer. Um, you know we've had the transition of Rob Chapman over to John Olsen and. You know, let's leave aside individuals. It's good to have a little bit of a fresh air in that seat. Uh, the club seems a little bit more intact. Uh, they've ridden out the COVID-19 year from hell. Um, and yes, we did finish bottom. But uh, we finished bottom with a little bit of hope. And the draft certainly has given us a little bit more hope that we won't spend more than a couple of years down the bottom end of the table. So... Very good overall. Now, look, uh, guys, this is our last um, uh, podcast for 2020. Uh, I bet you when we started uh, this season, you guys, we didn't think that we'd be uh, experiencing the season that we've experienced, did you? Not a, not a chance in hell. Um, actually, that was just the... When the season did start, game one, that was just the start of COVID, the very early days of COVID. And I don't think any of us ever, ever thought it was going to end up the way it did. In, not so much in Australia. Um, in Australia, we were, we've taken the precautions early and the lockdowns early, etc. But if you look at the rest of the world and the state the rest of the world's in, um, it's a, you have to say it's a bloody miracle that we actually had a football season at all. And, oh, and gotcha. I, I think... And I thank our uh, politicians, uh, you know, we normally curse them and swear them and say they do stupid things, and perhaps they do. 
but uh, through, I believe, their actions, the AFL uh, working with them hand in glove, and uh, as a result of that, we managed to have a footy season. And I think the AFL has actually had to be uh, thinking it and, and put in some improvisation for a change. And um, so, yeah, I never would have thought anything like that would have happened. And once it stopped, I didn't... I really wondered whether we ever would have a football season. and uh, But I do remember spouting right from the word go when Melbourne um, uh, was still okay. Uh, so when, sorry, not, not okay, when it started to get uh, contagious, that they're going to have to move those players out, the teams out to get them into a hub. And uh, I think I was just slightly ahead of my time in that sense, but, but obviously other people would have thought it too. And they feel finally got to it. And if they hadn't have done that, there would have been no footy season. So, yeah, again, a long answer to you, Fiend. But the point is, no. I, I at one stage, I'd, I'd abandoned any idea of playing. Nick. Yeah, it's been a tough year. Um, but I think one of the, the best things is the way that the year has finished off. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing Nick's as a coach and we've started to get a feel for him in the back half of the year as to what he's going to bring and, and what he does. And most importantly, the fact that he will actually change up our game plan to match who we're playing against. It's like, oh my God, a tactical coach. What is this? Um, and the fact that he's really embraced a lot of the younger kids and we've seen them play. So I'm feeling very positive um, towards next year. Um, I'm going to treat it as like I did this year, which was go along as if I'm going to watch the SNFL, which is I don't expect to win. I just want to see the way the kids are playing, the way the structure is, the way we're being coached and seeing some development happening and, and seeing what the promise is there. And I, I think that's what we're feeling at the moment. Um, it's been a year from hell for everybody. Uh, it's still not over. We may still have some issues next year, but as long as everybody keeps doing the right thing, um, keep your 1.5 metres away from me, please, people, um, <laughs> um, and things like that. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a promise, and we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. Well said, Nick. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, – you're right, Nick. Uh, very well said. Uh, for those watching us on uh, YouTube and Twitch at the moment, you'll notice that I've just thrown up uh, – our patrons i'm particularly grateful for everybody that has contributed to um to the crowcast over the the course of the journey um and the names that i've put up there at the moment um are the people that have dug into their wallets and just given us a uh, a, a few dollars here and there some some amazingly more than what i would have expected um and uh, there's a couple there, and I won't embarrass them, but they know who they are. That the, their support is amazing. Um, you know, uh, Tim on Hardware Unboxed, uh, his support has been amazing. Um, you know, all our other sponsors, uh, Ryan from Smith Partners Real Estate, um, the Strawberry Farm down there at um, Mount Compass. You know, everyone that has kicked in some coin, everyone that has jumped on discord uh over the, over the journey um we i mean i can't thank you enough w without you guys we don't have a podcast uh we're branching out into youtube a little bit more now and you know without your support um that that sort of stuff just doesn't happen so i just personally 
uh, want to thank everybody that has kicked in, everyone that has uh, spared a dollar or two um, to help make uh, Crowcast an ongoing success, and it has been. And same to you, Macca and Nick. Without you guys, um, the podcast just doesn't exist. So uh, uh, thank you very much. No, probably shorter, <laughs> but uh, no, I love I love doing it, and uh, I love talking about the crows, and uh, I think that uh, it's a very good podcast you put on, Fiend, and uh, uh, otherwise you wouldn't have the supporters that we do have. So, and same with Nikki, uh, love having Nikki there too, because, <laughs> because well, you're different, Nick, and um, yeah. and sometimes you come from left field and. Sometimes it's absolute shit, and other times it's <laughs> same. <laughs> and other times you're absolutely spot on, and I love it. So well done. No, so look, I am just absolutely amazed that we have the supporters that we do have. That that they listen to the three of us ramble, argue, talk over the top of each other, um, forget stuff. <laughs> um, I cannot thank everybody enough that they actually are interested in listening to our opinions. Like, yeah. what the hell guys and they put up with our technical bloody shit all the time and uh you know they they rock up every week they follow us on twitter and facebook and uh it's been great you know i mean the numbers are, are small on youtube still but we've we've grown by what about 400 percent, 500 percent on youtube this year through no real yeah. effort so uh the the guys that are watching us on youtube um i've got tons of plans that i won't go into now uh for next season um but uh there'll always be a weekend wrap on a sunday night uh of course we did say goodbye to tuesday night live during the year as well so we need to give a shout out to donkey who's been very busy this year and also of course peter J, who took a bit of a breather um after tuesday night live wound up as well so uh lots of exciting stuff coming up for season 2021 both on the field off the field and with the crowcast so with all that said, I think it's time to wrap it up. Wish everybody uh, listening to us, uh, either live or in the coming days, uh, a very happy and safe Christmas and New Year period. And we will be back early in 2021 to do it all again. We okay. will indeed. Uh, earlier to too. The AFLW is starting earlier, so we'll be back. Yeah. We'll be back. All right, guys. Thanks, everyone, on Discord. Thanks, everyone, on YouTube and Twitch. We will see you next year, and take care. Good night. Night, all. Happy holidays, and stay safe. Yep.